Hey, Matt. Hey, Mike. Want to do a podcast? Yeah. All right. Today, I think, no, I know, we're going to talk about <laughs> uh, text editors versus IDEs. And if you don't know what that stands for, it stands for Integrated Development Environment. But basically, they're both ways to write code. Yep. Uh, so which one did you want to start with today? Uh, I mean, I feel like we start with text editors, because that's where I started with and, writing code. Okay, so when you say you started with text editors, what... What were you using text editors for at the beginning of your programming journey? I mean, we go if we go really, really early. All the way back to the womb. Well, okay, maybe not that far. Um, I mean, then we're talking like basic, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, I would write them. Actually, I think those often did get written inside of basic. Uh, mm. And then you would just save your file. But that wasn't really an IDE. It was nothing more than a text editor. But I mean, but but it was loading like basic like dot basic or dot b or was it dot txt files i think they were dot bas files bas right yeah. okay um but any any type of serious programming i did uh past basic but anything non-basic i was doing in like notepad on windows yeah. and yeah. uh eventually vi and emacs yeah. when i was in college but just writing writing the code in a place that I could edit. I think I used to do them in word processing uh, software yeah. at, at, at one point. Because oh, those were the things that I would take up my whole screen and I could see it. Right, right. Well, yeah, because, I mean, I mean, Notepad on Windows machine was probably, like, hidden in a folder, but Microsoft Word might be a shortcut on the desktop. Yeah. And you're like, oh, th this this types words, boom, and then you start typing things. Yeah. And, yeah. and then you save as TXT, but mm -hmm. then you change the extension. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so... Maybe we should back up a second and say what a text editor is, even though it seems like it's pretty self-explanatory. But what I think of when I think of a text editor, it's basically any program on a computer or a mobile device that edits text. You yep. can load text, you can edit it, you can delete them. Uh, it doesn't necessarily, and this is, I think, the key thing, is that the text editor, editor doesn't run your program. Correct. Generally. It just edits the text and then you save and close and then you probably run the file in something else like right. in an interpreter or you compile it into a, a an, an executable and then you run that okay yeah. and and at your simplest a text editor doesn't even show you the file it might literally let you edit the file the ed command on unix back in the day now i've heard of ed and what you just said sounds crazy what do you mean by it lets you so maybe you would like cat your file and be like oh i don't like what's on line three and then you would <laughs> and then you could edit line three line three of the file so it wouldn't actually open up the file i just i never the whole thing. i never used ed okay that was that was a little bit before my time but okay. my understanding is that vi which is the like the editor uh that most the text editor that most people are familiar with on the like Linux Unix side yeah, of the world, on the command line, on yeah. the command line. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Um, like Ed is the precursor to that, right? Like a lot of the commands that people know are the in VI are the things that you would have actually run as Ed, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's things like said, uh, SED, which mm-hmm. I've actually used that are very much like you write something on the command line and it processes the text. And so you would like maybe take something in, run some stuff on it and then spit out an, a result and dump it into another file. Wow. And so, and so really the only way to actually see the finished product would be, like you said, using a, a, a an app like Cat. Cat to, or more or to, less. To display yeah. it to the screen. Wow. Like, it's funny that that's how text editing on a computer started. And that was, like, somebody wrote that program and said, no, I don't want to see all the text and be able to edit it. I just want to run a command that modifies it and run some other command to show it. That sounds... I don't think it In was, 2022, that sounds crazy. I don't think it was necessarily the, I don't want to see it all. It was that you couldn't do sort of like the interactive printing things out and then moving your cursor through to go to this line and edit it. It was, here's my, here's my text. Right. And now, ah, uh, there's a typo on line seven. So it was basically only slightly up from using like a typewriter. Yeah. That you could only like maybe technically see one line at a time that yeah. you were working on. Okay, so thankfully, text editors nowadays, and actually for many decades, are not like that. Yeah. Like, you mentioned VI. Yep. That when you when you type VI at a command line, it opens VI, the program, yes. which then can write a whole page of text or open up an existing yeah. one. So the, your entire screen, you know, it'll, it'll open up your file just like if you opened it up in Notepad or whatever, mm-hmm. right? The things that people are actually familiar with. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I have a question for you. How long after the first time you used VI did it take you to exit VI? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I learned the capital Z, capital Z way to exit VI, which saves the file on its way out. Um, Wait, in command mode or in insert mode? I think it's escape ZZ, capital Uh Zs, and it would get you out. Like, that was the thing I was taught, Uh and someone told me that before I ever opened VI, and so, like, that's how I got out of it for years wow because now 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 why wouldn't you experiment with some other kind of commands uh because vi was very confusing (laughs) and i'm talking like original vi not vim vim the vi improved yeah yeah is an excellent editor i could not stand vi and i didn't use it as my default editor unless i had to yeah and honestly the reason that i started using vi at all one vim came out but two it's on every computer that has any basis in linux or unix which is almost all of them right right i use except for windows right although although even windows now has oh does it well you can get it 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 had yeah yeah but like if you're if you were to telnet back then not ssh into a machine vi was available so you could do stuff yeah and as a system administrator which is what i did for a lot of college right that I needed to be able to get in and edit files, config files or whatever on on remote systems. And that was often my only choice. Yeah, I feel like VI, like I probably used VI for the first time in, um, I took a community college course in high school, a programming course. It was like intro to programming in C. Mm. And we would uh, write our programs and we would print them out. We would print them out on the dot matrix printer <laughs> to give to our professor who would then, you know, mark them up with a red line. Yeah. Um, but in order to turn them in initially, or, or maybe, you know, we had to print them out, but we also had to turn them in. You had to go to a computer and um, you had to use, you know, a, a Unix prompt to actually do anything. And so I definitely was forced to use VI at some point. Yeah. And that was, see, that was, the, I, I said forced. I feel like, like, what percentage of people 
Novi because they were initially forced as opposed to, oh, I hear about this interesting text editor, VI. I'm going to try that out. It sounds cool. I feel like most people, especially like if you were to ask this question 20 years ago, yeah, I think it there wasn't a lot of choice. Right. So if you wanted to edit text on that machine, that might have been the only thing there. Really, your choices were VI. My choices when I when I started college, if I was on the on the terminals in the computer lab were VI, Emacs mm -hmm. and Pico. And I went with Pico for quite a lot of that. So did I. Because oh, Pico was, all the commands were written out at the bottom of the screen, told yeah. you exactly what you could do. You could use the actual, like, arrow keys to navigate. Yes. But it was super, it was not a powerful editor, right? You right. couldn't do a lot of things with it. But if you just want to go into the text and type stuff, that was great. Yeah. I, I was an Emacs per. I was the only Emacs person mm -hmm. uh, for most of my college career uh, mm -hmm. from writing software and, and, and into professional software writing for a now, while. Now, how do, now th there's like, you know, basically a holy war oh, of, yeah. of VI versus Emacs, but I'm curious since I was also a Pico slash Nano user mm -hmm. um, because before that, my main text editing was done with probably like Notepad yeah. on Windows. And I was used to opening up a program that displays the text and lets you move around and insert and change text anywhere. You get into VI and you're literally, you can't do that nope. when you first open up. You have to hit the I key to go into the mode that resembles Notepad. Yeah. But um, I never used Emacs, so I'm curious, like, how different was Emacs from Pico slash Nano? Uh, it was, a, from my perspective... It was a nice balance between Pico and VI. It had a lot of the power that VI has, mm -hmm. a lot of your ability to grab large sections of text and manipulate it. Mm -hmm. um, but I was able to exit it easily and move my cursor around easily. Mm -hmm. um, I used X Emacs a lot, right? So the X Windows version, okay, which yeah. actually had a GUI. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then I knew the com but then I still knew all the commands. Right. Um, I really liked the programming language Lisp. I mm -hmm. uh, ran into it really early on in my college career, uh, and Emacs was written. A lot of it is written in Lisp, and you use Lisp to write macros and do. So I I just like doubled down into that environment. Like that that was probably closer to an IDE. Mm -hmm. than anything else I had used up to that point. Right. Um, and probably did until today. <laughs> now, uh, so you mentioned IDE, so maybe we should make a quick jump to what how an I, what an IDE is and how it is different from a text editor. So an IDE is, it stands for Integrated Development Environment. And as far as I'm concerned, the main difference between a text editor and an IDE is that an IDE is often... Well, first of all, it usually has uh, a way to debug your code. It has a way to run your code. It often comes with like syntax uh, checking, code completion, and it's often written for a specific language or environment. And so it, essentially like if you want help writing in a certain language or a certain framework, you might go and get an IDE that's specially made for that. Whereas a text editor is more general purpose. Yeah. And also just edits the text and doesn't generally do anything else with it. Right. And sometimes you can make your text editors do some of those things, but they are as intended to edit a TXT file as they are your C++ file. Right. right. Although the IDE can just edit your text, but you probably don't want to open something like Eclipse right. to edit a text file. Right. That know? would be silly. 
Right. So my journey into IDEs was uh, largely a job I had where I wrote um, .NET, C-sharp .NET code for the first time. I'd never run, I'd never written C-sharp. I'd never, besides that intro to programming class that I took yeah. in high school, I'd never done any C. Um, and so in order to run that, you need to have Visual Studio, which is the full Microsoft IDE yeah. that is like meant for writing code in the .NET framework. Yeah. Or I mean, I also use Visual Studio. Yeah. Uh, but mine was for Visual C++ because mm. I was writing a video player in Visual C++ and you couldn't re I mean I could write the ed and edit the files in Notepad if I wanted to. You could. But all of the things that you needed to do with the program I also couldn't you couldn't also just jump in and run it from a command a separate command line option. Right. If you wanted to execute your code or compile your code, you had to do it inside of mm -hmm. that That's IDE. You. Yeah. Well, and, and yeah, because I, I think it was probably like I took that job and they're like, okay, we need you to write a .NET based website. I'm like, I've never done that before. How do you do that? You go to Microsoft's site. They don't tell you to open up Notepad and start writing like .cs files. Right. They say download Visual Studio, and I think at that time it was probably like Visual Studio 2008 or mm -hmm. something. I might have upgraded to 2010 in the middle of that job. Uh, but yeah, like they say, you know, do it this way, and then when you're done writing your code, you can run it and debug it and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, whenever I did uh, on my on on the personal development side, I tried uh, Xcode for a while. Because I tried to write an iPhone game, I tried to write a Mac app, and until more recently, that was basically the only way you could write yeah. those kinds of things. You had to use Apple's IDE. You couldn't just write those files in a in a text editor and run them. You yeah. needed, which is you know, not to not to get political, uh, but uh, that is actually it's my gonna get political. That's that's my problem with IDEs is yeah. is that because I also had my iPhone game out there, shut the box, right. Yeah. Um, you, That's a callback. You could not have... I could not have created that game without being inside of Xcode. Yeah. It wasn't possible. I I couldn't... I wanted to just go in and say, define what the UI looks like in a text file and say, it looks like this. You're, this is going to be at these coordinates and this is going to be this color and then just go in and change those. There was, A, no documentation on how to do that if it was possible and b even when it was it was not intended for humans to edit it it was intended for a computer to go in and and it was manipulated by a machine not by a human yeah and and it really locks you into that environment right and i don't like it it's also why i prefer driving a manual car uh it's just it's just a personal preference i like i like the control uh you know on that note when i was in xcode you know Sometimes in order to fix a bug or something like you did, I did look at the source of, yeah. the, of the files that Xcode is creating. Get down to the plist files. The plist files, yeah. and I think it's a lot of XML, yeah. and it's it you know, and it's yeah, it's not meant for a human to read or write. It, yeah. it is meant for the computer to pull in and then prettify it for Xcode's display. So the the only thing I would say in favor of that uh, model model is that. I mean, at least with Apple. Apple is very big on crafting the whole experience yeah. of their ecosystem, which includes making the apps and using the apps. And so I think, much like with their App Store, you know, they want all of their stuff to kind of like, 
go through their their gates and their filters so that like there's a certain level of quality. You can almost go back to like the Nintendo seal of quality. Oh yeah. You know like uh it, you know you 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 had to you had to go through Nintendo and and get passed by their standards in order to get that seal otherwise you were yeah. like an unlicensed game and I think Apple is kind of going in the same way. Yeah, in fact if if I remember correctly, you could not submit an application to the App Store unless you did it through Xcode originally. Yes. Yeah. Well, cuz and and I mean just Going through the Apple developer website and getting like the proper certs and all and yeah. signing your code, it it is kind of a bummer. And especially when it doesn't when it doesn't work, it does feel like you're kind of trapped in that walled garden that they want you in. Yeah. So yeah, um, so, so that's definitely a downside of ID IDs. I I will I will agree. Uh, I, I was I have another downside to IDEs that okay. I really don't like. Yeah. Uh, and this is a developer practice that has come out from people using IDs, and in particular things like Eclipse or, um, what's the Beans one? NetBeans? NetBeans, Net and their IntelliJ, IntelliJ and, and all those. And yeah. It encourages a way of organizing your files that is difficult to navigate if you are someone that's coming at it from an editor, right? If I'm coming at it from the command line, and every time I want to edit a file, I got to go six directories deep to get to it, that's frustrating. But when you're in your IDE, that's all hidden from you and you don't really have to deal with it. It's like, oh, here's my classes. Yeah. Great. Source is here. But there's all this other junk up ahead of it. Mm-hmm. I like to keep my uh, repositories very clean. I like them organized a certain way. And Java pretty much didn't let me do that uh, because it expected that you were using these IDEs. And so things that were a nuisance well, really nice to deal with in the IDE, just awful from my perspective on the command line. And I was never a full-time Java developer, but that was the first time I ever really experienced that that side of things. I see it a little bit in the JavaScript world as well, mm-hmm. um, to a much, much lesser extent. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, uh, after that job with Visual Studio, um, l- later in, in, in my, my current job, uh, everything that we do, I do in something called Visual Studio Code, which is, I mean, I, it's kind of the it's kind of the open source text editor version of the Visual Studio IDE. Open source, Mike. We should have a conversation about that as well. <laughs> later, man. Later. Not right now. Um, and uh, but before that, there was another there was another editor called uh, Adam. Adam, yeah, which was also open source. And the idea of having an open source text editor. Uh, when Adam came out, I think was a pretty unusual and unique thing. I don't remember that being a thing before, or at least it didn't get popular. I mean, Emacs was open source. Mm. I mean, it's Richard Stallman and Free Software Foundation and all that stuff. It came out of them. Man, so, man that sounds like more fodder for like a different podcast. I know. I feel like we should have that conversation. All right. Um, so like there, there is some uh, precedent for that. Yeah. But yeah, it was fairly unusual. I I remember I used Adam as well and sublime text, which was explicitly marketed as a text editor, but was really nice for doing Mm -hmm. some of the more coding side of the world. Yeah. Editing. Oh, text mate. That was another one. Text mate was another good one. Yeah. Text wrangler, I think was the one Uh, before that. Oh, I used notepad plus plus on windows for a long time. So did I. Yep. That was a great one. Yep. Um, yeah, those were all that sort of like middle ground between text editor and IDE and that they were text editors, but you could put in a plug-in or mm-hmm. there were certain add-ons that you could you could do to it to 
you know, bring a terminal into the into right. the window, which was something I used to do in Emacs, or um, have syntax highlighting, which you can do in VI now, mm-hmm. right? Um, all those kind of things finally started yeah. to come. Yeah. So started to come out in those. Right. Uh, and yeah, VS Code, I had very similar. It's like Adam, and uh, v- briefly, and then someone introduced me to VS Code, and I went, oh, this is all the things I wanted Adam to be. Right. Good job. Yeah. And, that's a, and that came out of Visual Studio. Like, that's right. a Microsoft product. Right. Well, I mean, like... Uh, a much better Microsoft product. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, is that I feel like VS Code is really hitting that sweet spot of like a hybrid between its, its lightweight ish like a text editor like notepad or something but it has this incredible ecosystem of people building plugins so it like gives you the basic stuff but also you know many popular programming language like uh syntax uh, checking and and code completion all that kind of stuff and then all the rest of it is kind of made by the community which is amazing um but it's not tied to a specific language or suite of languages right and that's i think what makes it a different than an IDE proper. Yes. Yeah. I, I I think, I mean, it feels like from here going out, like I'm not sure what an IDE proper could do that would take me away from something like, like VS Code. The only thing I can think of and the only, the only thing that um, some IDEs or, or some other text editors have over something like VS Code, which is written in Electron, I think, which is a cross-platform thing where it's basically like, a website packaged into an app, but that means you can basically work on one code base and it can be used across multiple platforms, is the performance. Yeah. The reason why I went from Atom to VS Code is because it was faster. Oh. That was actually that was actually one of the reasons why Atom started to sour on me is that it seemed as development went on, it got less performant. And VS Code was like, whoa, this actually like loads my, you know, semi big file. Uh, fast enough to work because you know that's the thing about text editors that I that I've always loved is that like I just want to edit this text and I just want to run a command or double click on an icon and boom your text editor is there we didn't even mention that one of the major downsides of IDEs because they have all this extra cruft built in is that they often take a while to start up yeah I remember Visual Studios yeah Visual Studio taking took a while ages it's like loading this loading that loading this other thing yeah because it's not just loading a display of your text. It's loading a display of your text and the menu system and all the plugins and, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever. And so for now, in 2022, VS Code seems like the de facto way to write code on any platform with a GUI, you know. And then I guess if you're still on the command line... Vim. Vim, yeah. Yeah. Uh, although it's weird. In this conversation, like, I did not expect my interest in Emacs to increase <laughs> in any measurable way. But the way you keep saying, like... Yeah, you know, Emacs had that like 50 million years ago, you know, or whatever. I'm just saying. It's like, I, I just, I honestly didn't really know about it because yeah. I wasn't heavily into Unix, the Unix world during that that time when you would have been introduced to it. And yeah. I didn't do any Lisp, so. VS Code reminds me a lot of the way that I had X Emacs set up on my machines, mm-hmm. where like, my terminal was down at the bottom so I could run commands directly, but I also had, like, my debugger brought into it and yeah. a file list on the left-hand side for me, right-hand side for you. Uh, <laughs> I started on the left, moved to the right. Yeah. Um, but, like, I... It was customizable in a way that I ended up making it look 
a lot like what VS uh, VS Code ended up being now. Is there an Emacs theme? And do you have it installed? Uh, there might be, and I, or but key I don't bindings, know. probably key bindings, yeah. right? Um, honestly, that's the thing I hated about Emacs was the actual keys. The actual key commands were it was always like Control X, Control C. Mm. It was multiple. I didn't like that. Yeah. Um, and I and they're not in my head anymore. Yeah. The VI ones, I still the basic basic VI commands are still in my head. Yeah. Uh, because they're useful if I right. ever log into a machine remotely. And you just need to look at a text file and make a change. Yeah. Um. Is there any reason why you would e- use Emacs now? Probably not. Um, I mean, uh, and also it's not like installed on every server like VI is. So. Right. Uh, I think it's largely been supplanted by... Surplanted? Supplanted? Supplanted. It's largely been supplanted. Superseded? I don't know. It's uh, overcome by events. It's uh, <laughs> by um, by things like VS Code and, and Sublime, te- Sublime Text and yeah. those types of programs yeah. I think really have done away with what the niche that Emacs filled. Mm-hmm. I don't think it is needed anymore. That said, Whoa, it did that all, is a statement. It did the, all that stuff from inside of a terminal. Right. So uh, VS Code still can't do that. So until it can, uh, Emacs may still have a place for those people who only who don't have an X server. One thing VS Code does do that I've noticed is it's very easily embeddable in websites. I use a website called StackBlitz, which is a way to quickly spin up a like skeleton of a web app. Like uh, in, uh, I work in Angular a lot. Mm. I can just spin up an Angular website in any version on a website, and then edit it using an embedded version of VS Code. Huh? That is amazing to me, and I don't think that's something that many other editors can do. Or I didn't even know about that. That's really cool. Yeah. So, and, and I know they're not the only website to do that, but that is like, you know, because it is literally like a website packaged into an app, they just remove the app part and throw it into, you know, yeah. That, yeah, so. Which, which I do think is sort of the future of development. It does seem Everything like, in the browser? It, it seems like that's been the way that things have been written. I think it's largely to do with cross-platform issues, right? Yes. It's like you mentioned with Electron, but you see a lot of phone apps really are just an app that is ultimately just loading a JavaScript engine or something. Mm -hmm. I I definitely see that as being the way that things are going to continue to progress. So who knows? Maybe you'll have full on uh, IDE in your browser soon. I don't know. But I won't use it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I think we covered the main points of text editors versus IDEs. Either of them can be used to write code. They both have their pros and cons. And other platitudes. Yeah. And you're not wrong for whatever you choose. Unless Except you... for that choice. Don't Except that. for that one. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, well, this has been Hacking the Grepson. Thank you for listening. Uh, we now return you to your lives, regularly scheduled lives, already in progress. Mm-hmm.